0: Sign up today at ButcherBox.com ETM.
1: When you step into your personal power and you realize that you can create change and you have agency in your financial life, it's not just following one person's path. It's understanding that you have a lot of options. And when you have a lot of options, there are more ways to win. You're listening to Millennial Money with
2: award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shana Compton-Game where we flip the script on the old-school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, Money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger
0: aficionado. What would it feel like to step into financial awesomeness? Every one of us, we have this place where things just click, where you feel in control. Your money is moving you towards your goals, your relationships, your career, your mindset. All of the above are just in a really sweet spot. And maybe you're listening right now because you really want to get to this place that our guest Paco de Leon calls financial awesomeness. Look, it's true that there's a lot of things that are out of your control when it comes to money government, interest rates, the cost of gas, you name it. But the good news is that there is a lot within your control. Listen to this. Paco says the quality of your thinking determines the quality of your decision making, AKA, your money mindset is radically as important as the money steps you take. Paco is amazing. She is the founder of the Hell Yeah Group and author of a book you need on your shelf called Finance for the People. Paco wants you to know that you have this unlimited potential to change. She calls it your personal power and wants you to embrace it because when you figure out how to be financially secure, you can use your money to not only create your financial freedom but also to create the change in the world you want. Wealth then just becomes this megaphone for your values. This, my friend, is financial awesomeness, and in this episode, you'll learn how to get there. I'm Shauna Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money. Let's jump into the conversation. Well, Paco, I am so incredibly excited to have you join us on the podcast. The listeners are in for a serious treat, so thank you for
1: being here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I want to start off, if you'll indulge me a little bit, uh, reading some of the amazing words you wrote in your new book, Finance for the People. You say in your intro that you didn't write this book uh, because of your white hot passion for personal finance, which I love that. <laughs> but you, you, uh, why you're writing this Right, is that you want people to connect to what you call their personal power because you say this, I love this, once you come into it, it's like a bell that cannot be unrung. I think this is a great place to start our conversation. Tell me a little bit about this idea of personal power.
1: Yeah. You know, we live in a world that is terribly outside of our control, right? If we could just, let's just get weird right from the beginning. I mean, when you really think about it, we're just sitting on this rock that's just floating through space and time, (laughs) going around the sun, and there's a lot outside of our control. And that can feel overwhelming, And when it comes to personal finances, when we look at what the market is doing, when we look at, you know, how celebrities are buying NFTs, (laughs) there's so much that we can't control, that we feel like impacts our lives. And coming into your personal power is just taking a beat. It's taking a moment. It's taking a step back and realizing that even in the grand scheme of things, we do have agency, right? We have ways that we can direct our focus and direct our energy to control things within our lives. And that's really what I want people to understand is kind of how to balance that, dichotomy and to, you know, really confront and not be afraid of that cognitive dissonance of there's so much outside of our control, but what's within my agency.
0: I like that a lot. I I talk about on this show that money touches all aspects of our lives. So we need to have those conversations. We need to talk about everything that's going on in our life and understand the interconnectedness, if that's a word, between Everything that is going on kind of in our human existence, right, and so this idea of personal power I love this that you it's almost like a permission slip to center yourself and um you know to to be a human to have these moments of of resetting of taking pauses because things can feel really overwhelming, especially the last couple of years around money tell Tell us a little bit about. Your journey, I would love to hear because you you're, you talk about this idea of personal power. Tell us a little bit about your journey of of coming into your own personal power, specifically around money.
1: Yeah i <laughs> I've always accepted the default, and I always kind of did what needed to be done to. You fulfill what was expected of me. So I have immigrant parents who did the best they could with what they had, uh, but they didn't go through the college system here. They didn't have connections. And so all they knew was, you know, you got to go to college and then you'll be good. Right. You just find a job and do a good job and you'll buy a house and everything will work out. And uh, my parents did, they did everything they could with what they had in terms of information. And it was get a job and go to school and, you know, work for somebody and it's all going to work out for you. And I went along with that and I you know, I listened to my parents. I went to college. I studied something that seemed very practical, finance and economics. And I went and got a job and I quickly learned that I was a bad worker, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, It makes perfect sense to me. (laughs) All the entrepreneurs that I talked to, they've either never had a real job. And by real job, I mean, they've never had an employer that wasn't themselves or when they got to a place of employment, you know, they did what I did, which was question a lot of things, try to change a lot of things. And so a lot of my money story and a lot of, you know, my narratives and my journey around money is centered around work, which is pretty obvious because that's where my source of revenue is coming from. Um, and so I thought I would just study economics. I would kind of like fall up, if that makes sense, and have a lot of money and buy a house and be okay. And what happened was I that didn't happen. I realized that, I mean, I graduated into in 2008, right? Right when the housing market and the Great Recession was just starting to warm up. Tough and, year, tough year. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we didn't feel a lot of those repercussions you know, right away. Sometimes for certain industries, it it took a couple of years. But what happened to me was I ended up making less money at every job since I graduated college. And I thought at first, I mean, of course, it has to do with what the economy was doing, but it had a lot to do with my own narratives about worth. It had a lot to do with me accepting the default. It had a lot to do with me not questioning, why don't I ne- negotiate my salary? Why don't I ask for more? Why am I afraid to confront these things what why am i afraid of a confrontation regarding money and right. the more i worked as a financial planner and the more i saw that there were other smart capable people who were making decisions with their finances that did not seem to be in line with their best, best interest the more i realized hey you you can't it's not just about knowing you know how to calculate a, an interest rate or how much your student loan payment is going to be there's a lot more to you know, your decisions that involve the stories that you've told yourself and what you believe about yourself.
0: Mm, I really love that a lot. One of my personal missions is to help as many people as I possibly can understand the idea of the impact that their money story has on not only where you're at now, but where you want to go. And for me, there's a very huge mindset component to that that isn't talked about enough in those, as you say, default money narratives. We we tend to just focus on the how-tos, how do I do this, how do I do that, the steps I need to take. But if we can take a step back and think about all of those default money messages that you're talking about and, and what is kind of getting it in our way of getting where we want to be, I think that's a really important conversation to have. And I know you're a big proponent of, of mindset as well, Tell us a little bit about how does how does mindset play into our overall just journey, our money journey, our wealth journey, whatever we want to call it?
1: Yeah, mindset is really important because, you know, earlier when I was talking about agency, when I was talking about all these things outside of our control, like what the Fed is going to do, what the market <laughs> is doing, right? What's within our control is how we think about things. And the quality of our thinking, that's going to determine the quality of our decision making. It's going to determine whether or not we can spot our own biases, whether or not that's going to prevent us from taking a job or, you know, making a decision that's going to harm us in the long run. And so the the way that we think is is radically important when it comes to our finances, because like I just said, you know, there's not a lot within our control and how you think the quality the clarity of your thinking is within your control.
0: Mm, right? And I also know that when my mind is clouded, confused, stressed, anxiety, whatever word that might be, when I'm in that state of mind, I am not able to make clear, good, conscious money decisions. It's just a, a disconnect for me. And so I would imagine that that's the same for everyone else, but we we live in this like very fast paced world where there is a lot of anxiety stress around this elephant in the room money and so uh, you know it's it's trying to figure out like how do we balance that all and be able to make good decisions
1: yeah absolutely and you're totally spot on you know people get trapped in anxieties, you know, a cycle, a bad cycle where they're anxious about their money and they're, you know, they never quiet their nervous system. And so they're always making these decisions, not really using cognition, right? They're just kind of shooting from the hip with some of these decisions. And then a bad decision generally results from, you know, not being rational about your thought process. And then that causes more anxiety. And you get, you know, stuck in this trap. And the same thing happens with stress. And I think that's why we can look at folks who, you know, they shouldn't be buying lottery tickets or they they ought to not be taking out payday loans, right? They're they're seemingly making these really bad decisions. But what we're not addressing is the fact that they're in a state of chronic stress. They're in a state of chronic anxiety. And that's playing a huge role in, in how they're navigating.
0: One of the things you talk about in your book, you create this pyramid of financial awesomeness to... To really show the readers how to create a roadmap, so to speak, of how to get a grip on their finances. And I, I wonder if we can walk through just a couple of these. I, obviously, I want someone to pick up the book and read all of these, but some of them really jumped out at me. And I thought it would be interesting, maybe to even just start at the top this idea of financial awesomeness. So, how do we know? When we've stepped into this illustrious place, like what does that look like for us?
1: It looks like we are paying attention to our inflows and our outflows. It looks like we're not afraid to confront the reality of our financial situation, no matter what the result is, right? I know a lot of people and myself included, I've been afraid to confront the reality of my finances because I knew I'd have to like, blow up my life in order (laughs) to do the right thing, right? I'd have to find a better paying job or I'd have to have a hard conversation with my parents or my partner about my debt. So, you know, being able to have those confrontations, even though they're really uncomfortable and scary, when you're able to, you know, take a deep breath and coach yourself through it, I think that shows that you're in a state of financial awesomeness. Uh, when other areas of your life are, you know, feeling like they're progressing because your financial life is progressing, I think that's also a good sign. And of course, you're doing very practical things like you're showing up for yourself you're looking at your accounts, you're keeping a spending plan, you are saving 10, 20, 30% or investing 10, 20, 30% of every dollar that you earn. Um and you just feel, you know, like you're you're generally making progress as opposed to backsliding if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and I think what you're pointing at is is something that um I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too. I feel like every time I'm talking about money, I'm always sharing things almost with like an asterisk mark where I'm saying, pick what works for you, pick what feels right for you. So I'm I'm wondering also if this place of, of financial awesomeness Is also something that we get to create ourselves we get to say this is the feeling that I have in this place Or this is what i'm doing with my money when i'm in this place. So there's an air of Here are some things but then you can also create what that looks like for yourself
1: I couldn't agree more. I think personal finance is very personal and I know that sounds a little corny, but it's the (laughs) truth and You know, one of the things that's so fascinating to me is a lot of people like to tell me how (laughs) intersectional I am. And to, to me, I'm just me, right? I'm a person who has multiple perspectives because I've had to have multiple perspectives. I've had to look at the world through other lenses because I don't believe that the world was built for me. You know what I mean? I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a short person in a tall world. I'm a Brown person in a white world. I'm a queer person in a straight world. I'm a woman in a man's world. And so I feel like I have to look at other people's perspectives through other lenses. And that has given me the superpower. It's shown me that for one person, Amassing you know a million dollars, that's gonna be financial freedom for them, but the other for another person amassing a hundred thousand dollars that for them is unfathomable and it would drastically change their life because they don't have access to generational wealth, maybe their parents are immigrants, and they just need they just need space they just need the ability to if they needed to quit their job they could if their parent got sick they could they could be there for them and That's one of the things that I hope changes within this industry is that we all realize, sure, there are rules of thumb that we ought to all follow, like, you know, saving 20% of everything. But in the grand scheme of things, this is very personal stuff and everybody has to approach it based on their own circumstances and, like you said, their own emotions and their own feelings.
0: And there's a lot of freedom in that, right? We talk in the money world always about wanting to create financial freedom, but what you're saying to me, which I think is such an important message is there is freedom in taking these suggestions, money tips, strategies, whatever it might be, and and cultivating the recipe that's going to work for your life.
1: Absolutely. That's where the power comes in, right? Because when you step into that knowingness of, hey, there's multiple ways to win here. That's when you can start to craft what works for you. And you don't feel like you just have to follow what some other dude did 50 years ago. You can (laughs) carve out your own way of making money and of existing in the world.
0: When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and T-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune.
3: but having pieces that you can wear anywhere is a must for everybody. That's why American Giant makes clothing that fits into your life seamlessly, with quality you have to feel to believe. And with an impressive selection of staples to choose from, there's something for everyone. So whether you're on the hunt for the perfect t-shirt, a solid pair of jeans, or super soft sweatshirts, American Giant has what you're looking for. Each American Giant piece is designed to last and created with commitment to doing things better. And all their products are made right here in America. Because keeping things local ensures the kind of quality you'll feel and appreciate for years to come. Discover the American Giant difference today. Shop wear anywhere closet staples at American-Giant.com. And get 20% off your first order when you use code WA23 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code WA23. Yeah, I like that permission slip for sure. (laughs) Uh,
0: Another one of the, the stops on your your pyramid of financial awesomeness is simply make better decisions. And I think this feels almost like, well, yeah, of course. I mean, of course, I'm going to do that. But I know, and you know as well, that this is definitely a place that we that we really overlook. So walk us a little bit through what's the difference between better, better decisions, and maybe not better decisions? Like, what does that look like for us?
1: Certainly. I kind of touched on it earlier when I mentioned how we can, you know, address our emotional state and our nervous system before we make a decision. And for me, that's the first step. So when I'm looking at decision making, and how to make better decisions, it's kind of through, it's a two-step process. The first step is to You know, make sure that you're in a good state, especially if you're making a big financial decision, like, should I borrow, you know, $250,000 to go to law school? And the second part of that uh, way to make a better decision is to come up with a process or a system for decision making, especially when it comes to these big decisions. So the first part, you know, making sure that you're in, in a good state, it's kind of like, let me give you an analogy. Yes. If you ever go to the grocery store when you're hungry, you're going to just, you're going to make bad choices, right? (laughs) You're going to buy in bulk. You're going to buy stuff that you think you're going to cook, or, you know, it's not going to end well. And it's the same thing with financial decisions. So there is a psychiatrist, and his name is escaping me now but it's definitely in the book. And he created or he came up with this way of understanding where you're at within your uh, it's called your window of tolerance mm. and your window of tolerance is a place where you are in a good state and you could make decisions and you could deal with life's ups and downs in a healthy way. When you're outside of the window, you're either hypo or, Uh, you're in a state of hypo arousal or hyper arousal. And there are two sides of the spectrum. One side is like you're frozen, right? When it comes to making decisions, you you kind of freeze up. And the other side is you're anxious and your mind is going a, a million miles a minute. And you just can't, you can't make a decision. And the window of tolerance is when you know something crappy happens and you're you can regulate yourself and and make a good decision. So depending on where you fall outside of the window before you you know you need to make a big financial decision, maybe you maybe you're going to call the credit card company and try to negotiate a lower interest rate or you're going to talk to your boss about you know what you need to do to get a pay raise over the next 6 months, you want to make sure you're in a good state. So for some people that's taking five deep breaths for other people like me, it's putting on Lizzo as loud as possible and dancing around. (laughs) It's using essential oils. It's, you you have to know yourself, right? So you got to get in this state where you feel calm and you feel like, okay, I can deal with the reality of whatever this spreadsheet is going to say at me. And then the second way is to come up with a process and, the process that I encourage people to use is called second order thinking. And it's like a pros and cons list, but it's better or it's got more nuance. So when you're making a financial decision, you know, historically people would be like, just make a pro, a pro and con list. Okay, cool. We can see the benefits and we can see the drawbacks. But when you think when you think about the consequences of your decisions, that's just going to allow you to explore more like what's actually possible. And then how would I deal with that? So Mm -hmm. the example that I always like to use is I really did think I was going to go to law school and, you know, for a year I, (laughs) prepared. And then finally, one day after working in the financial planning firm, I was like, I need to do financial plan myself, basically. So I sat down and I built a spreadsheet. And I you know, I did a little bit of research about how much money I would need to borrow and what the interest rate would be and how much I'd need to pay back. And the model that I built, it showed that I would have to pay like $1,000 a month. So when I think about the first order consequences of the decision, right, let me back up. Yeah, The decision I'm trying to make is, should I go to law school? When I think about the first order consequences, I have to borrow money. That's the first order consequence. The second order consequence is I'm going to have to pay back that money, right? So that's $1,000 going out. The even greater, the third order consequences, I think, where you know a lot of people don't go here, what is paying back $1,000 a month going to do to the quality of your life? And for me, the answer was, I'm going to feel trapped in law it's probably not going to be great on my relationship. Um, I am either going to continue to be a lawyer or I'm going to be stuck, you know, not making a lot of money because I want to work in public service and all, you know, that led me to confront the reality that I probably shouldn't, you know, take out six figures to be a good Samaritan in the world. I could probably find a different way to give back to my community. That's not going to put me in debt or penalize me. And, um, I've been rambling here, but that is how I think we can improve our financial decision making.
0: I like that a lot. It gives it gives some sort of order and structure to, to making decisions. And I, I love it. It helps you kind of walk out that decision a little bit further. I know many, 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 many years ago, uh one of my mentors in in the money world sat down with me. And this isn't a a earth-shattering concept. This has been shared by many, many people, but there was something about the way that this person said it to me it really resonated that when we can attach a feeling how we feel about something how something will change for us like something you know guttural and 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 lights us up to something we're we're thinking about doing or we're doing with our money suddenly you know making that that sort of perfect combination of the feeling and the thing we're doing or the thing we want to do changes something in, internally in our heads And that in itself can create change. So I'm sure you've seen this before as well, where somebody has a goal or something that they want to do with their money, and they just keep getting stuck over and over and over again. And it's, you know, regardless of how much money they're making, it's just kind of mind boggling to them. And so what I think is so powerful about what you share is those sorts of components, like putting that human emotion component in and then seeing like, does that really create the magic for you? I I don't know. What do you, what do you think about? I kind of rambled on there myself, but what do you think about that?
1: I've always been weirded out by the fact that economics and finance, like the first investment class I took, the very first thing that the teacher said, or one of the very first things he said was like, this is all built on these, like modern portfolio theory is all built on the assumption that, uh, Everybody's a rational investor. And then I took one of my first economics classes. And I remember my economics teacher being like, um, humans are going to act rationally with perfect information. They're always going to act within their best interest. And I remember sitting in class and looking around at everybody and just being like, you guys are just going to accept this? Like, this is (laughs) crazy. You guys are totally like out of your mind, if you're just going to sit here, I'm like, I'm going to accept it because I'm going to pass the class. But you bet your ass I'm sitting here and being like, this is the wildest thing in the world that it is built on these assumptions because we don't, we are not rational. We make decisions based on emotion and we rationalize later. Like the person, like having children, that's not a very rational choice. (laughs) That's an emotional decision. Who, Who you marry, that's a huge decision. And of course, you maybe step back and say things like, you know, I'm not going to marry somebody who's not going to be a right fit. And you try to be as rational as possible. But at the end of the day, you're also the great majority of us are marrying for love. And so I just refuse to accept this, you know, this narrative in the world of finance that we're all rational people. We're not the market. I've I've seen so many people and I've, I you know, I've been in a financial planning firm hearing People on the phone with their clients trying to get them not to panic sell. And so it's just I know that we're not rational. and We have to do everything in our power to to really first address our emotions, honor them, realize they're not going away. And then once we give it that breath, that moment, then then and only then can we start to use our rational brain.
0: OK, friend, I want to know what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding? I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com/etm. That's M O N A R C H M O N E Y.com/etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex, or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines, host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards will remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have, with guests from all walks of life. In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you have such a really interesting visual way of talking about money, whether it's on social media, in your books, everything that you do, I find it really appealing and just approachable. Approachable is, is always the word I use for the show is I want people to feel like there's a safe space. And there's something about the way you break down money concepts in this way that that I feel does the same thing. I wonder if you could take us just a little bit further in into your brain, like where did this ability or even love come from for you to to translate money in this way for
1: us. I've always spoke in analogies and I think it's this deep 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 desire to be truly understood. Like I really want you to pick up what I'm throwing down and the way that I can do that is to say the same thing in a bunch of different ways and I've always been like that and I always thought it was so weird, you know, like I wondered why I had this natural ability to do to do something like that. And now I know it's because I can take an abstract concept, like, you know, principal only payments, or how does compounding work or the power of inflation, those are all or even money in general value, that's an abstract concept. And I can make it concrete through not just words, but through illustrations. And that's really what drove that It's just this overwhelming desire to really be understood to really drive these things home. Because the creative community, you know, that's my community. And to have watched for years and years and years, to have watched them replay this old narrative in their mind that this world isn't for them, or the one that breaks my heart is they say, like they're not smart enough or, you know, they're, they're not good at math or something ridiculous like that. I wanted to show them that, it has nothing to do with any of that. It has everything to do with how it's been taught. It's just taught so weirdly. And, you know, the honestly, the branding is terrible. Like a lot of finance stuff, as you know, is like an old white guy with a sailboat and a watch. Like that's (laughs) what what the website looks like. And yeah, I just want people to feel like this world is for them. And I wanted to do it in the most authentic way possible. And the thing that I've learned working for myself is – the more I just lean in and the more I am just like weird Paco, the more the world responds, the more they're like, okay, that helps me keep being weird, you know?
0: Yeah. I'm, my weirdness is meeting your weirdness and and welcoming your weirdness. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you're showing up here and fully accepting weirdness. Cause I always tell people that, uh, that's probably my, my greatest, um, attribute. And they look at me a little weird. Like why would you c- claim weirdness as, as, as something uh, great, but I think it does, it allows you this ability to look at the world, uh, humans a subject like money from a, from a different perspective. Tell me a little bit about, uh, like, what do you think it's, it's going to take to change this old paradigm around money? What do you think it's, it's going to take to have money be more of an inclusive
1: place, subject, whatever that might be. I think we're watching that happen in real time. I think the fact that a person like me got a book published by, you know, the number one publisher in North America, I think that's change. I think, I mean, there's kids on TikTok who are there's this one girl who's like 17 years old and she has an online business and she's telling people that she made six figures last year and her net worth is five figures and she's 16, 17 years old. She's a woman wow. of color. That right there is showing how the world is changing. And I think there's a quote about bankruptcy where about, I think it's about bankruptcy where it happens very slowly and then it happens all at once. And uh, Sorry that I cannot attribute it to whoever it is, but I think that's probably what it's going to feel like is we're going to witness all these little changes happening, different voices, even this common idea that personal finance is a bunch more personal and you have to know yourself and take into account your own life, your own circumstances, your own goals. That wasn't really that popular even a few years ago. And now I'm talking to folks like you who are, you know, screaming that at the top of their lungs. So I think change is going to feel slow. And then all of a sudden we're going to look around and say, wow, you know, what's up with all these tokens that people are actually, you know, people are actually buying houses with it. Or it's just, you know, it's a, I am positive to a fault. And I do think that the people who need to know this information are starting to get this information. And that's how we're going to start to see change.
0: So somebody listening right now, they, they pick up a copy of your book, Finance for the People. What do you want them to take away or feel as they read it?
1: I want them to feel like they have unlimited potential to change. And I know that's like a really tall order, but I want them to feel their own personal power and I don't want them to be afraid of it. I think a lot of us are afraid of power. I think power gets a bad rap in society and I want people to settle in that. And I want them to understand that if they're idealistic like myself, the reality is that we have to figure out how to get the money. We have to figure out how to be financially secure because when we have money, we can use that to create change, right? Wealth and money are a megaphone for our values and for what we want to see exist in the world. So, if you want to create an organization that invests in community instead of extracts from it, you're going to need means in order to do that, in order to create that. And so, I hope people realize that they have a responsibility to right with themselves when it comes to their finances, because that's going to allow them to create change.
0: And that's such a great point that you make, because we tend to look at, and maybe I'm generalizing here a bit, I'd love your your thoughts on this, but we tend to look at power and wealth through that lens of it's it's yucky, it's icky, it's um, there's no heart in that. And uh, so changing that narrative, changing our thinking around that and switching it to, well, when we have a certain platform or we have a certain um, amount of money or wealth or whatever that might mean for for each of us individually, we can then use that to advance the world in the way that we want to.
1: Absolutely. Look what's going on with workers right now. Now is the time, the moment that w- they can organize. Corporations and companies are starting to realize that workers are starting to realize that they do have power. And so, yeah, I think that's the message at the end of the day. I want people to really recognize and understand their power and to not be afraid of it.
0: All right. I'm going to ask you probably the most impossible question, but if you had to, if you had to boil down the best, I don't know, two to three pieces of money advice or wisdom that you think we need to like metaphorically tattoo on our minds? What would those be? What do you want to leave us with?
1: That is really hard to do. (laughs) Let's see. I would say from a practical perspective, definitely get into the habit of investing a portion of every single dollar you earn. For every dollar you earn, if you invested 30 cents for 40 years, you're probably going to be in really great shape. That would be my first... Piece of advice that we need to tattoo on our heads. Um, gosh, and the second one would be to know yourself. I think the point of life is to allow ourselves to become the people that we're meant to be. And if you spent the time and the energy, and you and you gave yourself the respect to do that, uh, it's just going to be it's going to it's going to be great in terms of not just your finances, but You know, you'll, you'll find the work that you're meant to do and you'll put it out in the world and you'll find the people you're meant to be around and your life will be enriching and wealthy in ways beyond the dollars and cents. Well,
0: I can't thank you enough for letting us all get to know you a little bit better Uh, tell us about where we can find you, where we can pick up a copy of your new book, Finance for the People.
1: I'm at thehellyeyegroup.com, and every Wednesday I put out a weekly newsletter called The Nerd Letter. And so uh, you can follow along, and I can just pepper your inbox that way. And you can find Finance for the People wherever you buy books.
0: I'm not sure if you felt it in this conversation, but Paco felt like a long-lost soul sister of mine. I've Never met her in person, but I feel like we could just sit and hang for hours talking about life and money. And I think what I loved so much is that I'm on a mission this year myself to embrace more of my personal power. And I want to invite you in to do the same. I think Paco's message about personal power creating options is really just the reason why I talk about money on this show the way I do. It isn't just about all of the how-tos, but This place of financial awesomeness is about everything tied together, like a well-oiled machine to reach financial awesomeness. You're dialed into the emotional, mental, and practical sides of money, all for the purpose of creating your own financial freedom. That to me sounds like a pretty awesome place. If you enjoyed this episode, do me the best favor ever and share it with a friend and family member who is also on their journey to financial awesomeness. As always, you can head to the show notes for all the links to our episode guest, as well as our sponsors who make this show possible. I will see you right back here in a few days for a brand new episode. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say
2: thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode,